Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode two of The Review. My name is Bruno, and I'm your host. This week, State of the Union. Last week, we discussed topics regarding the coronavirus affecting both Canada and the United States. Now, as we move forward, we approach the election. November 3rd, Americans will head to the polls and decide who will be president. Will the incumbent, Donald Trump, remain, or will Joe Biden become the 46th president of the United States. Today we have a great many topics to discuss. As I just mentioned, November 3rd is the election, and voters will have to make a decision on policy. Now there is a clear contrast between the incumbent and the challenger. Therefore today I have brought my friend Lucas. Lucas lives in New York, and I consider him a close friend. He has guided me and shaped my opinion in some way on politics, and he requested to join this series as the co-host. Lucas, thank you for being here. How you doing, bro? I'm good, thank you. So, as we both know, the election is November 3rd, and as I had just mentioned, there is a clear contrast between Donald Trump and Joe Biden. Now, voters tend to vote on healthcare, climate change, gun control, and the economy. So, the economy. Where do we stand? Uh, of course, we're all aware of, you know, coronavirus currently and the pandemic. And with lots of businesses being closed, shut down, and, you know, lots of public servants being limited to work and... You know, limited to other things that would boost the economy and help money flowing. Uh, but I personally believe, you know, before the pandemic, uh, when originally Trump started, after winning uh, back in November of 2016, um, the economy started booming uh, from, you know, the looks of the stock market and businesses and money flowing tremendously. The market was doing so much better than, you know, you can compare to any other president since Reagan from an election standpoint. Uh, so, I mean, I personally believe without this pandemic, uh, the economy would be the same. It'd be the same way it was when Trump fully got elected. And I wouldn't doubt it'd be the same way if Trump gets reelected currently and the pandemic were to, you know, blow off like we all, we've all been expecting it to. Okay. Now, many could argue that the economy was doing quite well under former President Barack Obama. The recession, the financial crisis from 2007 to 2009 was quite severe, resulting in lots of businesses going bankrupt, resulting in the banks having to be bailed out, resulting in one of the greatest financial crises in history. And Barack Obama did rebuild the US economy. And many argue that this economy that Donald Trump has was inherited from the, Trump, uh, from the Obama administration. So what are your thoughts on those who claim uh, such a theory? Okay, so, um, I, I mean, of course, Obama had some had to fix, you know, issues of the past president, especially with the economy. But I personally believe if Trump didn't make the right decisions, the economy would have been the same place it was, uh, you know, back when Obama was running, I think, 2008. It'd been the same place if Trump didn't continue. I mean, things correctly that Obama did, taking nothing away from Obama, but also looking at what Trump is doing 
in making the United States an export country instead of an import. I mean, there's been no president that's ever taxed China, the you know, the number that, or even not near the amount that Trump's. I mean, that other presidents have taxed China. It's always been a fear of other presidents that they stop importing things towards us, and him putting that tax on, you know, almost stops other companies from. In other countries, especially China, from you know bringing us products and selling their products here, which is helping us build up more factories, build up more bigger businesses, and export to other countries. And at the end of the day, you also want to be you want to be the export country. It brings jobs, it gets a lot more money flowing, and it just gets you know overall better outlook on that country instead of you know having an item that says made in China, made in the U.S. It's just more you know something every president would want to do. That every president has fear to do, but Trump went and made that happen. So I mean, if we're gonna bring up the topic of making jobs and uh, you know uh, lowering homeless rate or lowering the unemployment rate, then from before the pandemic, Trump's been doing a great job with that. Then we keep mentioning before the pandemic, the economy inarguably was doing pretty well. Stocks were high, the economy was booming, unemployment was at all-time lows. But then this pandemic hit, and the first thing the president claimed is it'll be gone in a few days. Then it's it'll be gone in a few weeks. Then there was there's only 30 cases, only 100 cases. Then by summer it'll disappear. Now this is one of the worst situations the U.S. has been in since the Great Depression. There have been over 60 million jobs that were lost. Millions of un-Americans filed for unemployment. And the economy may look like it's doing well, but in reality, stocks don't necessarily measure how well an economy is doing. How do you respond to that? I completely agree. I mean, being in the stock market since, you know, March, uh, personally, you know, the room for margin profit has been extremely high. I don't think I've ever seen the market this booming since ever there's companies that are like you know major companies like amazon apple uh, uh target jeep is another major company that have reached all-time highs within this pandemic and i mean i can agree of course with businesses closing it may affect the economy but it also goes to show how much a business has to support for themselves i mean there's been a lot of businesses that have been closed for about you know four or five months had the opportunity to open let's say for example a clothing store or a fat a restaurant um so uh, most restaurants, you know, currently are open with, you know, uh, restrictions against dining in or, you know, only takeout, for example. So, I mean, it's all based on the business owner themselves and themselves and the insurance that they have and the possibility for loans that they could get. I mean, of course, you can blame Trump for, you know, not taking as re- regard you want him to now at this point. But, I mean, put yourself in not only Trump, but in a political leader's saying that you know there's never been a disease like this and they're bringing and with everything going on in china there's actually people murdered in the building uh because they said they were contaminated with a disease so automatically you know bringing that to a president or any political leader and saying that you know there's this disease coming coronavirus is contagious it'll kill multiple people and it'll be worse than when the flu was in its prime i personally and i believe a lot of people would, you know, not take that into consideration as much. You know, you even in the back of your mind, but when you get rumors about a disease coming that'll shut down your whole country, you're not going to believe it. 
And I mean, personally, coming from a state like New York, which, you know, city that never sleeps, people out all the time, money flowing, uh, you know, the nightlife, especially people always outside. It's always crowded everywhere. There's traffic, you know, just very just, uh, citizen traffic, you know, vehicle traffic, etc. Well, it's, wait, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you for a second, because you may be right that a virus coming from China, people claiming this and that, it, it is skeptical to any world leader, and I completely agree with you. However, once the cases started rising, once the pandemic was quite visible, do you think the president should have reversed his previous comments? Even well, of course, at this point. The, the United States hit 9 million cases today. A few minutes ago, actually. I believe maybe an hour ago. 9 million cases. That's two weeks after they hit 8 million. That is incredible. The numbers are, are soaring. And yes, scientific research does prove that many cases are mild or many people experience very, very mild to no symptoms at all. It doesn't excuse the fact that there's 8 million cases, or rather 9 million cases. So what are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. Going back to my original point, you know, if Trump were to shut down everything, actually we have the dates here. So the original case in China was uh, first about the last week of February. So around the 24th through the 28th, around the first case um, in China was reported. And... Um, March 4th was the first case. Actually, it was in my state. I think one of the first case on the East Coast. Uh, it was in New Rochelle, New York. I'm actually very familiar with that city. I travel there very often. Uh, it was a uh, Jewish man who went to a, a prayer service and spread the disease there. Um, that was about a... I think that was March 8th. And the entire city of New Rochelle was shut down by March 13th. I personally, I go to school in New Rochelle. I don't live there. But the school was shut down. Uh, not many restaurants were shut down, but major gatherings were shut down. So uh, also, you know, gyms, uh, private academies, you know, such as karate, jujitsu, etc. Any place where you you know interact with people in close spaces closer than six feet were closed on March 13th. So with the first case being reported in your own city after March 4th, and it's closing down the city, which in not even a week or I think about a, I think exactly a week after you know um after the first case was reported in a major city like new york i think that was a good enough time for them to shut it down completely especially with the cases rising but there's also very skeptical you know discussions you can make i mean you know when you go to prayer service uh in locations of course in new rochelle it's not a very high budget city uh, we don't know whether or not how close these people were to each other we don't know you know there's many questions you can ask how why and how can we how can we prevented it what were the conditions of the person you know were they cleanly did they, you know, clean their hands often? So that all goes in factors into whether or not they would shut the city down. Because if it's a disease where, you know, you wash your hands, you clean yourself, you can still give it to someone. That's a major issue. But if it's a disease where they just tell you to wash your hands, you know, stay cleanly, go home, take a shower, or bath, whatever you have to do to keep yourself clean, energized, healthy, then that isn't, you know, as major as something that you can get with avoiding it completely. But going back originally, uh, if Trump were to shut down the city, I mean, I'm sorry. The country, you know, not fully shut down, but, you know, slow down when everything require masks in public spaces. Um, if you look now, well, especially in New York, that's the only major state I know about. Uh, the people who 
are spreading the disease right now are usually the people who, you know, take no regard to the mask, social distance, you know, uh, rule. So the people that are out, you know, at clubbing or, you know, going to restaurants or making ma- major family gatherings are usually the ones avoiding the social distance rules, you know, the quarantine rules. So these people are spreading diseases to the people, the working people who, you know, want to keep their mask on all week, you know, going to restaurants with their mask on, take it off when they sit down, go home, wash their hands, and they're very cleanly, and they're trying to avoid these things. And usually when you're in a position like that, you're usually around people who, you know, decide to keep themselves clean as well. So when you're spreading the disease to people who are, who their cleanliness is higher than the person who originally spread the disease, it's going to spread it to people who are more cleanly than, you know, the regular people that originally had it. So I think before... Uh, Trump even made his first decision. If he would have shut down the country without, you know, major a major number of cases, then the people who are still disregarding the rules currently would have been disregarding the rules more. And not even those people, but even regular people who want to participate in their regular daily activities would say, where's the proof? You're shutting this country down because there's a thousand cases, even a hundred thousand cases, you're going to shut this, the country down. I mean, the population of the United States is above, I think, 330 million. So you take a hundred thousand percent a hundred thousand people it's a very 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 small percentage of 300 330 plus million people so no i i completely i completely agree with you on that um on that topic however um just to conclude here uh for this section trump could have handled this better he could have stopped claiming that it was a huge hoax the virus is clear that it exists we don't have to you don't have to believe in it being as serious as they say you don't have to believe in it um being huge threat to society however it is present and it has caused us to adapt to well to adapt to a a new standard of living do you agree with that of course okay all right yet i mean if we go and reflect on i'll finish off here we won't if you go and you know personally being in new york the guidelines aren't very you know clear for the entire country so you know trump would say you need to wear a mask then the governors of states such as new york andrew cuomo would say okay you have to wear a mask in the gym you don't have to worry we request you wear a mask outside walking but you will not be penalized for it um and we request you wear a mask in a restaurant until you sit down then you take it off so trump can't really set you know guidelines for every single state because i mean if you go look at florida the entire state it was open for I think an entire month and they're shutting back down again for having the most cases i think in the uh united states uh, percentage wise population percentage wise so i right. mean it's right. just you can't you know lock people up yeah he has to give our general guideline wear a mask and then from that point on the governors make their own decisions because they you know they have enough power they have that exp- they're in positions those, these positions for a reason they should be able to make these posi- these decisions themselves Fair point. Right. Moving on to our next topic, and this I'd like to have an uh, have an open debate. The U.S. foreign policy has changed over the last four years. Now, the America First sentiment is present amongst many voters. Many agree with it, and many disagree with it. One regarding and and add on, jump in when you when whenever you wish. The America First policy, is it really the best thing for the United States? Yes, export economy is definitely good because as you said, it lowers unemployment, it creates jobs, and it promotes made in USA over made in China, and I completely support that. However, not supporting NATO, 
not supporting the European Union, pulling out of the Paris Accord, pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal, pulling out of the WHO, were those things that were really that, that are really good for the United States? Are they good for the United States' place as the world's superpower? Does this allow China to make a way to reach the world's superpower position? What are your thoughts on this? I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I don't think these bridges should have been burned with, you know, all these people just to uh, surpass the expectations of making the United States an export country. Um, I personally, well, I personally think that Trump should have, along with a lot of other people I've had discussions with, uh, you know, should have made the United States just an export country regarding, you know, businesses, goods, you know, market-wise. You can buy something from the U.S., get in the U.S., not have to go from a different country to get your goods, you know. Yeah, so so for, for, build your own economy without relying on other exactly. countries' economies, however, still support your allies across the world because exactly. you never know when you're going to need them and they never know when they're going to need you. Because strictly goods, no, not not services. The services should have never been, you know, uh, they should have never been cut off from trying to make the United States an export country. Because even, I mean, the the difference of trying to make, you know, yourself a self self sustained country. Yes, the United States is never going to be a self sustained country. But you know, making a change to does sound good. But that you have to do, you know, very progressively, not you know, cutting off all the, your services and goods hides with other countries just to set a point that the United States is self-sufficient. Right. And do you think the challenger Joe Biden would rebuild the United States in the sense that maybe keep this sort of uh, export economy policies, keep this America first economical policy, however, return to the Paris Accord, return to the WHO, return um, to the Iran nuclear deal? and reaffirm nato do you think joe biden would be able to do that i personally think he would you know return to all these organizations and uh and receive these services from other countries but i personally don't think the economy would be as good as it is with trump i mean uh the major issue i mean new york's a democratic state so i mean it's definitely it's obvious that it's affected by republicans we have a republican president but in new york uh, with a Democratic president would just make it more, you know, the funding would be changed, which is what runs America. Money runs, running money runs the United States. When there's money flowing, the economy is good. When there's no money flowing, no one's spending money on anything. Uh, the uh, the next man isn't getting the money that you would have spent on something, one of his items, and he can't, you know, it's a domino effect basically. But I personally think um, the economy wouldn't be the same. Of course, he would you know regain these uh relationships with these other countries and you know receive their services and these deals and uh the foreign policies of course but with the economy it'd be i i don't think it'd be the same way okay fair point i mean look obviously the trump economy is strong obviously it's at record highs um and obviously, this is some of the strongest economic growth up until the coronavirus, of course, that we have seen. And even through the coronavirus, the stock market has still performed, obviously, very, very, very well. Um, that being said, looking... Well, I'll, I'll ask you this question a little bit later on, but I, I'd like to slowly move from foreign policy and economy to the healthcare section of things. Um, healthcare is... 
a major, major, major voting topic for voters, uh, whether it be in Canada, the United States, uh, Mexico, the European Union, no matter where, healthcare is very important to very a great, very uh, many deal of people. That being said, one, in light of the nomination of uh, Justice Amy Coney Barrett to the United States Supreme Court, um, do you think that the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, should be uh, removed? Or do you think that they should expand on it and develop a public option? I, I know universal healthcare in the United States will most likely not happen, not anytime soon. But a public option offering um, socialized medicine or public health care to those who can afford private health care. Do you think that that's a good idea or do you think we should remain with the privatized plan? Just your thoughts. All right, so um, my opinion on this, my first statement would be, um, you know, I personally think that if you're paying taxes, uh, you know, like let's say like a regular county employer, state employee, or government employee, if you're paying taxes the same way they are, then of course, um, if you don't have the finances to afford a private insurance, then of course you should be able to uh, a, a free healthcare be, should be applicable to you. And if you're not paying taxes, if you're already on, a, if you're already you know receiving assisted living, welfare, whatever, or whatever it's called in you know certain states is different, then I don't believe, I don't think that you should receive that assisted. I mean that uh sorry that uh, universal healthcare as well because at the end of the day the people that are giving you the services from the healthcare need to be paid and if you're not if you're getting free insurance the money's just coming out of the working man's paycheck it's gonna raise taxes if it becomes universal at one point uh, for people that aren't paying taxes if it just if they just continue to receive free healthcare then people are gonna be taxed more and more and more. I mean, uh, services that I mean, a, a typical hospital aren't cheap. I mean, even people, uh, I've, I know people, I'm, I personally, my parents have private health care, but is um, sourced from their jobs. So uh, it's part of their benefits, working for their jobs, being employed by their jobs. But still, you know, there's different insurances everywhere, but there's still co-pays ranging from, you know, 20 to $60 that need to be paid for a regular doctor checkup all the way to, uh, you know, a check-in at urgent care or, you know, something below uh something below emergency room and i think the average uh to take an ambulance with um most unions benefits is about 80 to 100 dollars so that's coming out of your own pocket and that's probably a, not even a quarter of the cost that your insurance is paying uh for you to receive those services so coming from um you know someone who doesn't pay taxes at all and receives free health care uh, these prices are flat right from the hospital. They're not going to charge you less because you're, you know, on assisted living and receiving free health care. It's all going to be the same price. And the money's not just coming out of the hospital. They don't have some sort of insurance for themselves financially. So it's going to continue, uh, you know, draining the taxes of, you know, people that are working. And I per- I just don't think it's fair. Not fair to the working man. Okay. Or woman. Well, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah, definitely. Um... Look, my opinion on universal healthcare is simple. I strongly believe that healthcare is a human right. I think that everyone should be accorded healthcare, no matter their race, ethnicity, or sexual orientation. However, I agree with that as well. And thinking about it today and over the last few days, my opinion has definitely shifted in regards to universal healthcare. If you're a child, elderly, disabled, 
um, unable to work for whatever reason it may be, uh, a veteran, things like that, those type of people, they deserve universal health care. They deserve health care and they should not be paying thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to receive health care. Now, talking about and like you said, if you're doing drugs and you're on the streets on purpose and you're not working, you're on assisted living. I think I agree with you there. Obviously, if you're not working for your health care, you don't deserve it. However, if you're working, if you're doing whatever you can, if you're working three jobs, some people work three jobs, Lucas, and they still can't afford health care or can't afford good health care doesn't make sense that someone who has to have an emergency operation has to pay $500,000, even with insurance, because in some cases, insurance doesn't cover, uh, cover procedures. Yep. Emergency procedures, life-saving procedures, life-saving treatments should not cost someone $1 million out of pocket. The rich can afford it, upper middle class can afford it, even many people in the middle class can afford it. But the poor can't, and a lot of people who are poor work very very hard and just are unfortunate enough to not make good money so that being said i stand by the belief that healthcare should be accessible to everyone however i don't think it should be given freely away in the sense that if you're not working for it you don't deserve it it falls under you know certain categories where um there's multiple jobs you can get where you receive benefits from insurance, usually, you know, jobs with the union. Um, so, so, I think rather than make, you know, a free health care for even people that are working, I'd say establish more unions within more jobs where you don't receive benefits. I mean, of course, even if you do receive benefits for, um, your job you are paying still for the insurance and the weekly or weekly um weekly sorry weekly or monthly basis so let's say you you know work a union job uh for your city your city employee you say you throw out garbage uh you're paying fifty dollars a month to receive uh, health care benefits but you know when you still go and still go for a checkup you stuff make a copay and you know some jobs where you pay less for insurance you pay more when you actually go to the doctor's office hospital urgent care etc and other jobs where you're paying more for your insurance weekly or monthly than your your uh sorry your invoices are cheaper at the hospital uh you know doctor's office etc so i think it should be based with your job rather than you know public insurance because at the end of the day, it's still going to come out of the working man's pocket. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean you... of course. I mean, if, if if it's publicized, it comes through taxes. It, it comes through that. I, I, I get that. I understand. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with you fully. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to come out of the working man or woman's pocket, of course. Um, but a lot of people, whether they work or not, simply just cannot afford it. You know what I mean? They just simply cannot afford to pay for that. Some people, they're working three jobs. They're on an 80 grand salary. It's hard to cover a procedure that in reality costs $500,000. You know what I mean? That's the core. Right. However, I think it all goes back to, I mean, at the end of the day, it's either, you know, you get free health care to people or you lower the 
salary of the people doing these procedures because of course you know um I'm not sure exactly on the exact price on the exact re revenue of you know doctors for let's say a knee surgery or uh, ankle surgery but I mean the prices do seem somewhat outrageous but there is a lot of work that goes into these procedures yeah definitely and I think that's something we should look into uh further this discussion because I mean no one's ever brought up the topic of uh you know lowering the prices of these procedures in itself Oh yeah, I, I mean, I think, okay, just to close up on this topic, since we have, you know, we're, we're starting to near uh, the running, uh, the runoff part of this topic, um, j just to be clear that um, procedures are a lot of money, so I completely agree with you. If we want to avoid having to have universal healthcare, we lower the cost of these procedures and we make private insurance more accessible to the people. That seems like a fair compromise. Yes, it does. Right. Now, last but not least, climate change. Um, climate change, as comrade Bernie would say, is an existential threat to um, the world, to the United States and the world. Now, was Joe Biden smart to go ahead and say that he'll ban um, fracking or, or the oil industry? No, definitely a terrible idea. Do not do that. It will kill your chances. Uh, luckily enough, people are pissed off at Donald Trump uh, to have ignored um, what Mr. Biden said. So, in regards to climate change, do you believe the threat is as serious as claimed? And do you believe that the United States should take more steps, whether it be Donald Trump or Joe Biden as the next president? Um, do you think that the United States should continue to work as hard as they can in order to curb this threat? Uh, personally, yes, I do believe so. I mean, I'm, I've, we've all read the rumors online. Uh, the world won't last 70 years with, you know, all the climate change and other things that'll be spreading the air coming from, you know, these heat sources. Uh, but personally, I, I don't think it's a major issue to uh, the government or, you know, uh, in, in itself because... I mean, if it was a major threat to them, it would be more publicly announced. I mean, of course, you know, it'd be all over the news. If there's a major issue going on, uh, we can compare us to coronavirus that, you know, is underway being a major issue that could, you know, interrupt, uh, I mean, know, uh, interrupt every every event in, in public spaces where right. uh, global warming could affect it. I think that it will be more publicly discussed and, you yeah. know, uh, brought up as a topic uh, from the Trump administration and the government itself. But I just don't see it as a serious threat currently because it hasn't been uh, put on the spotlight as much. Right. And, and, and obviously, I mean, the, the, yes, as you said, there's a lack of spotlight, uh, spotlight on this, on, on climate change. However, obviously, um, it, it, it does pertain, it does entertain the fact that it is somewhat of a serious topic and must be taken as seriously as many scientists claim for it to be you know when you have three thousand scientists saying one thing and three saying the other i tend to listen to those three thousand rather than the three um is i mean climate change has been present for technically speaking thousands of years because you know the ecosystems have changed the planet has evolved and, and all that however is it really fair to say that climate change is going to destroy the world in 70 years because 
our CO2 emissions have varied a lot, especially with this pandemic. Um, and now, since this coronavirus, since this this flu, this virus, whatever you want to call it, we've diverted all of our attention to, you know, health and our health rather than we completely forgot the environment. We completely forgot policing. We completely forgot, um, you know, even transport and industry. Literally, the only thing people are worried about is coronavirus, coronavirus, coronavirus. It's serious. It's a threat. But if climate climate change is as well, infrastructure is as well, uh, police reform is as well, law and order is as well, justice is as well. So what are your thoughts on that? You repeat that last part for me. Right. So as I was saying, um, here, let, let me just repeat this for you. You've got climate change which is serious or is claimed to be serious however ever since the presence of this coronavirus this 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 virus this plague whatever you want to call it climate change has not had been the circle of attention right before it it was climate change is going to destroy the world climate change is going to kill us all we have 70 years we have until this date now it's covid 19 covid 19 covid 19 what changed the narrative why is it that the second something like this happens, we forget everything else that we claim to be so important? We had issues with policing. That was a huge thing. Coronavirus. After the protests in May and June, after a week later, we were back at coronavirus. What is the issue? You are completely right, but is the fact that global warming is, uh, you know, at a lower, a lower. Uh, amount of severity now that um, places where global warming are sourcing from are less accessible to people. So, you know, oil refinery and uh, all the prior sources you brought up, are these less accessible now? Or is the spotlight just being placed on other things? I can completely agree as far as, you know, Black Lives Matter protests go and um, uh, uh, the issue with the police and reform and everything. Coronavirus did lose its spotlight once everything you know somewhat calmed down and people started losing concern over these things uh probably uh then once everything passed coronavirus came back and is now again at an all-time high i can definitely see where you're coming from with that right and i mean we we have look i'm going to go back into a generalized category we spent a little bit of time you know focusing on forest, foreign policy uh national security uh healthcare and all that we we had our little specific moments but generally speaking do you see the you know common effect that when something happens we ignore coronavirus for a week or two then oh coronavirus this coronavirus that do you agree with that statement of course yes i do now you know coming to a close because you know this was a very eventful uh, topic and i enjoyed discussing these topics with you look it, it is evident that one um although uh, albeit i agree with you uh, in the sense that shutting down an entire country uh starting with 10,000 cases is you know really just unimaginable so i i agree with you on that statement however coming back now you know we're, we're here eight months later where you've got nine million cases in the u.s 43 44 45 million cases across the world um 200 and something thousand in canada i believe 225,000 in canada it's a mess i mean yeah it's a mess 
Now, what happens is the media changes the narrative. So you've got one day it's coronavirus, then for two weeks, you've got, let's take the protests for an example. You've got the riots in Minneapolis, Salt Lake City, uh, Atlanta, across the US, even in some Canadian cities, Toronto, Montreal, there was some in Berlin. So why 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 do we change like why does this narrative change so often can you help me clarify on this i can't really clarify uh you know saying that uh, coronavirus is a hoax which i can understand and you know listen to a discussion regarding that uh you know just by seeing the points you brought up uh regarding you know how all the importance of coronavirus is taken away when other you know major events pop up but I can't really make a direct comment um, because it may just be the media. I personally haven't, you know, been moderate. I've, of course, monitoring the major, major, uh, you know, timestamps of coronavirus, uh, you know, case counts, you know, when it counted millions, every million I probably check and look over the cases. But I haven't looked over during the Black Lives Matter protest and police, uh, you know, riots and reforms, et cetera, everything going on. They disappeared. Uh, I mean, if you look at CNN, they disappeared. For a good three, yeah, four weeks, there was no data on coronavirus. I mean, there was, but it wasn't. Uh, yeah, the media wasn't important. posting it. Exactly. It wasn't a top priority, and it wasn't put forward as much as as it was before due to these new, you know, uh, topics. But I mean, I'm not. I don't want to make a direct comment because I'm not sure if it's just the media spoofing, you know, uh, the headliners or clicks for listens for, uh, you know, feedback from the people watching these. Uh, I mean, people were watching coronavirus numbers for months on end. Um, I think the average person, you know, who is a non-business owner, who, you know, is working from home, who isn't, you know, affected financially by this coronavirus, weren't, you know, monitoring coronavirus as much as people who are either very interested in coronavirus or, you know, business owners or uh, business managers that, you know, are waiting for a chance for numbers to be low for them to you know reopen their businesses and relive their lives again so it may just be you know the news companies putting it to the side because now people want to see they want to see you know the more negative stuff the more intriguing stuff that they can actually hear about that's new rather than hearing about numbers you know weekly which aren't very uh to, to some point you lose interest in for the you know average person okay Right. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So definitely, we could agree on that. Before we, this is the last thing I've got to ask you. But before we move on to that, um, definitely we could agree that the narrative changes and that maybe something is a little bit fishy about the entire situation. No denying that the coronavirus is present and it, it's affecting society. Uh, that we have climate change and that it is affecting society. That we have issues. Um, many number of issues economically speaking socially speaking however when it all comes back to it whenever something specific happens whenever something isolated happens um the media changes the entire narrative and you forget that oh coronavirus disappeared for a month and we focused on riots and protests for one month straight i mean is that fair does it make sense i personally don't think so and i don't think you do either and that's no, something so. that's something that we will be looking into and maybe even talking about next episode but uh lucas i've got one last thing to ask you and i really appreciate you being here i hope you'll join us again next week um but one more thing i've got to ask you and it's we are four days away from the election um 
who do you think is going to win? Don't just take the polls um, into consideration. Take the turnout into consideration. Take the last four years into consideration. Who do you think is going to win the 2020 election? Uh, so I'll start from my personal standpoint. You know, I don't really support anyone in direct you know, indirect, I don't say I support Trump because of things he's doing or support Biden because of things he's doing. I support, you know, Republican uh, intentions. So there's obviously a major difference between Republican and Democratic intentions. I just end up supporting Republican intentions. Now, there may be some things that Trump is, you know, trying to do or says that I don't agree with. And same thing on Biden's side. But I personally believe, um, I personally believe Trump is going to win, and that's just my idea that Trump is going to do better with these last four years. I mean, usually a lot of presidents, uh, you know, coming back from going back to Obama, uh, the first four years is almost like somewhat, not fully, for lack of a better vocabulary, a trial period where you're just doing things that you stated you were going to do as, you know, your campaign uh, runs, like your campaign ideas that got you your major votes. I got you that those those electoral votes and got you those uh, you know regular regular poll votes. Um, so I think if Trump does win this next term, he'd do a lot better because he has really no major concern for winning over yeah the well, who wanted to. He isn't going to have accountability to... anymore. Exactly, exactly. Right. That's what I'm looking for. So yeah. I think he'd be making the changes that uh, you know most Democrats would see as outrageous, but would end up benefiting the United States uh, if that he wasn't capable of doing in the first place uh, due to, you know, not having the security of having a chance within uh, the second election for a second term. But from the looks of it, um, uh, from, you know, social media and, you know, speaking to people, especially living in a democratic state, uh, I personally think Trump is going to win this election just by seeing, um, I mean, most people, I say about, you know, 30 or 40 percent of voters are ignorant and basing their votes off of, you know, uh, comments that people make and uh, comments that Trump's, Trump has made and comments that Biden has made prior to, you know, them even being in near of the presidential campaigns, of their presidential campaigns. Um, but, but I think the people really looking at the reforms and... Uh, you know, the bills and uh, the legislative ideas that these people are putting out, uh, that Trump and Biden are pulling out, I'm sorry. Um, it's either, I personally think it's either you're on a Republican side or Democratic side. Because, and speaking to multiple, pe- multiple people, the people that are on the fence, you know, regarding whether or not they like Trump or Biden, they're basically going off the basic Republican versus Democratic ideas. So, uh, you know, they go Democratic, say, okay, they're going to raise my taxes and give healthcare to more people. And they say a Republican, uh, my money's going to keep going to the same places. Uh, you know, um, public servants can be paid the same, uh, you know, and go to the hospital. I won't have another issue. And I may make more money than I will with Biden. Um, and then people on the Democratic side, you know, whoa, 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 okay, 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 the police, uh, you know, um, making it so, okay, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, okay, all right, okay, okay, um, sorry about that, okay, um, right, okay, I just gotta take a second here, so, you hope Trump wins because he's making you money, right? That's not a major factor. It's almost, it's almost. Uh, I have, I'm favoring the more Republican side. I'd rather not. Oh, see I mean, definitely. I mean, I, I, I favor the Republicans as well. I mean, if I was, 
if it was a normal election year, if it was a standard election, you know, the generic Democrat versus the generic Republican, I'm, I mean, I would definitely pick the generic Republican. However, this is not a normal election year. This is an election year in the middle of a pandemic. This is an election year where you have a cri crisis across the nation. I mean, you've got uh, the state of the union is simple. The union is divided. And taking into consideration, I mean, Lucas, I definitely agree that Trump has a chance at winning. However, these last four years were not good for him, and they haven't been good especially since this coronavirus came. Because he doesn't have a short-term economy to run on, the short-term economy is not good. He doesn't have a good foreign policy to run on, other than maybe the uh, Middle East peace deal. He has shut down his allies, he has worked with his enemies, he is aware of Russian interference, he is aware of Russia uh, having bounties on um, soldiers giving bounties out to the, U uh, to the Taliban in Afghanistan and those bounties are on US soldiers. He was aware of that. When that came out, it ruined his chances even more. He is polling majorly behind in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. And I don't just look at polls. Of course, the polls in 2016 were wrong. They were terribly wrong. However, these are not the same polls anymore. There, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of polls and even 538 um, real clear politics they're all showing the same thing that joe biden has an above of 85 percent chance of winning the election that is that is incredible that is a huge margin and not to mention he is leading in georgia in most polls in florida he's leading in pennsylvania michigan and wisconsin three states he most likely will win back because hillary only lost them by very small margins one percentage point point five percent uh one state was i think michigan was eleven thousand votes these are very 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 small margins for blue collar workers and blue collar workers were also affected by this uh, pandemic in some sense um that being said there's one more thing in an election year you look at two things you look at the economy and you look at um you you look at the turnout look look at the turnout right now the turnout is insane well i'm wrong to say that there's only two things to look at but two things in general turnout and the economy the economy short term is not good and the economy long term the last three years was good but up to the coronavirus year up to t uh, until 2020 uh, starting march it has not been good at all at all at all at all so that brings me to my point look at the voter turnout you've got what 84 million votes already cast 84 million texas has passed their total vo voter turnout for 2016 alone north carolina's on the way there florida's on the way there you've got states you've got people who are going out in huge numbers and in all fairness uh, in, in, in most cases, an incumbent does not win as many votes as they had in their first bid um, for the presidency. And it, it is simple. This does not look like incumbent turnout. Not at all. When you've got a South Carolina Senate seat that could flip, when you've got two Georgia Senate seats that are both Republican currently that could flip, when you've got Iowa, Montana that could flip, th th these are things that we, we just simply do not expect. And they definitely do not favor the incumbent. Um, so that, that summarizes everything today. So just a little recap. We've had topics on uh, discussion on healthcare, 
the coronavirus, the economy, foreign policy, and who would win. Lucas, first and foremost, I'd like to thank you for being here. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, Like I said, your opinion is based not just on your opinion, but rather on facts, and that's something I truly appreciate. Um, Next week is going to be a shaky week, especially since we are following uh, the election. Um, It's going to take a few days for the results to come in, definitely with the mail-in ballots and whatnot. So we'll stay tuned, but episode three will most likely either be centered around uh, Canada's current economic situation or a more sensitive subject, which we will come back to next week. Lucas, thank you for being here. All those watching, listening now, your family, whatever or whoever it may be, I thank you for being here. I thank you for your support on the last episode, and we will see you next time. Thank you.